Well, this morning, we're, we're going to take a Sunday off from Romans. It just didn't seem right to be talking about the Jews and circumcision and all of that today. And Lord willing, we'll be back to that next week, perhaps. Uh, in the midst of all that was going on, uh, power was off at our house and with, with many uh, of you that that are here today, uh, last Sunday evening, ours went out about 8.30 uh, when the tornado passed by. Praise the Lord for us, it, it passed by. Uh, we didn't know exactly how close it was until we saw a photograph of um, that the neighbor took that, that's just across the highway from us, just up the road a little bit there on the hill, and he took it down kind of over our house and over Dusty and Kim's house, and you could see the funnel cloud on the hill past Dusty's house. That's how close it was. I know for the Millers, it was it was closer than that for them, the one that went uh, by Fredericktown. And uh, um, so, so thank the Lord, no one was was hurt that, that I'm aware of, at least in the midst of all this. And, and we've talked of how uh, some life-changing things have happened because uh, uh, Kim's dad, Kenny, uh, his house was hit on the back side of the house and tore off some roof and, and some of the siding on the back, which allowed uh, considerable water damage inside the house to most of the house except maybe two bedrooms perhaps, uh, but we don't know how much might have seeped into that. Uh, the the uh, service pro, the cleaning service is there uh, trying to clean up so they can assess the damage even more. And and so Kenny is, is uh, for right now anyway, and is with Dusty and Kim and, and the kids uh, there at their house. And, and uh, as as we said, you know, we, we found out that Charlie... Uh, in the hospital, and and so just with with, uh, I understand that his blood level got low, and and uh, it, which has happened before, and and he gets a transfusion. What the last one had been almost a year ago, and and so uh, so he's there. So we're praying for, for a lot to be prayerful about. Now, just in the opening that that Brother Brian had uh, this morning, there's many who are on the edge of being having perhaps life-changing things happen just because of mandates that may come down from our president. You know, whether it's federal jobs, military, uh, with uh, those who are in nursing. I, I didn't ask uh, about Renee. Is she still have her job? Marie. Yeah, not, I'm sorry. Uh, Marie, is she still working? Okay, and so a lot of things going on. Yeah, and Brother Brian, uh, you know, we've been talking because uh, he works at Boeing and federal contracts and all this stuff and, and uh, the size of Boeing. Uh, any any business that's over 100, I think, is, is kind of how it came down. And so we're just praying. That, uh, it's, li- it's like we've been talking about God's in control. And in the midst of all these different things, we have to come to recognize the sovereignty of God. And uh, Barb and I had had tickets to Praise Fest down in Branson for months. And, and we missed the Jubilee that was in Gatlinburg uh, about a month ago. But uh, we was hoping to be able to go to this. And then the storm hit. Uh, our power's out. Well, do we need to stay and and... You know, I got talking to Chuck and Dawn. Is like, well, you're, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And and so, uh, thank the Lord, Chuck, his his generator. He ran some cords over to our house to plug in the fridge and the freezer, so we didn't have to worry about it. Said he'd take care of it. So, so we went ahead and went, and and I'm so glad we did. And and in the midst of it, I, I share with you from time to time some of the things that go on. Uh, it, it's mostly singing and it's mostly southern gospel and stuff that that I kind of grew up with and and quite familiar with and and usually they have a speaker or two that is there and and this year we got to hear hear Jim uh, Cimbala 
or Symbala, I don't know exactly how you say that, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, some of you may have kind of kept up with him throughout the years. And and uh, he his message, he, he, he said he would, was wrestling what to what to bring and what to preach and and uh, for the congregation that was there and I think of some I don't, I don't know exactly how large the group was uh, close to 2000 probably and and most of them mine and Barb's age are older and the message he brought was Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 and, and let, let's let's read that this morning just you know what this is be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. We know these verses. Perhaps, I don't know, does any of the rest of you take highlighter and, and highlight verses in your Bible? Well, if if you've got a Bible program on your phone, or if you have a, a Kindle, I have a Kindle, had one for years, and so so I have uh, about three different versions of the Bible on my Kindle, and that I go to. And with a Kindle, you can highlight, you know, not with a with an actual marker, but you just kind of touch, and it, it it highlights it, and then you drag, and then you can highlight it with blue or pink or yellow or whatever you want to, and uh Amazon Kindle tracks when you're online they track how many people perhaps highlighted this portion and I can show you on mine because if uh even the the book that we're going through starting Friday night uh I had have it on my Kindle and it shows it'll have little dots under kind of underlined with dots and it'll have a number like 600 people highlighted this portion. The most highlighted quote of any book on Amazon, any book, the most highlighted is that right there. The most highlighted from any book. And of course, as you might Guess that the Bible is the most highlighted book of any that is sold. But of, of all the Bible verses, the most highlighted above John 3.16, above Philippians 4.13, above any of those, is that right there. So do you think people are concerned? you, you think people struggle with worry? Huh. They do. But this I know. In the midst of that, <laughs> Scott and Kay went with us to one of the Jubilees. Max Licato preached. What did he preach on? Same thing. Same verses. And, and you guys bought bought us, I think you got one too, the book. He, he wrote a book, Be Anxious for Nothing. I, I got it off my shelf last night just to look at it. The Lord impressing on these guys that's coming to these big conferences with, with a couple thousand people. And this is what the Lord would have them bring. And, and in the midst of it, uh, there's a couple quotes. I kind of went through and looked at some of the things and some, some old notes I had. Listen to this. It said, Others see the problems of the world and wring their hands. We, as children of God, see the problems of the world, and bend our knees. So, which, which type of person are we? Are we the kind that will wring our hands in worry and fear and anxiety, or will we, in everything by prayer and supplication, bend our knee and make our request known to the Lord? And, and this I know, Anxiety decreases as our understanding of who our Heavenly Father increases. It does. My anxiety decreases as my understanding of who my Heavenly Father is and who 
and also of who I am in Christ increases. The cares and anxiety of life will come. That all that we would not hold on to them, that we would not let them take root and grow into a permanent fixture in our life. Let's read Jeremiah seventeen seven and eight. I, I just wrote a couple down a couple things here. <laughs> We're not to the sermon yet. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Uh, We sang the song earlier, My Anchor Holds. And we have an anchor in Jesus Christ who is our hope, our blessed hope. So blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Because when we're trusting Him and looking to Him, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Now, just let me ask, will anxiety come? Yes. It's an emotion. But where the child of God must draw the line is to not let that anxiety build and build and build and then it overflows to the to those around us to where what they are hearing from us is not God is good and he's going to see me through but oh we're wringing our hands I don't know what we're going to do I, I this this or that because I believe once it gets to that point it goes from just an emotion that we're dealing with to sin. Because what we're saying as a child of God is God can't take care of me. At that moment, we're saying, I'm trying to turn to other things. I just don't know. So what's that saying of our faith? Oh, you of little faith. The Word of God doesn't say that we will never have fear, burdens, and anxieties, but it does tell us what to do when we face fears, burdens, and anxiety. Uh, Let's look at Psalms 56, verses 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid, will those moments come? Yes, they will. They will. Even, Even in the life of a believer. There will be moments, and I know I talk about this quite often, probably at least a couple times a year it seems like. Those moments will come when some tragedy, some change of circumstance in our life that hits us, blindsides us, catches us, if I could say, off guard. And for a moment, momentarily, We fear. We have the emotion of anxiety. So what's the psalmist say? Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His Word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? What can the world do to me? Well, take it to the worst case scenario. Take your life. What if it does? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because when anxiety and fear strikes, then that's when the battle, the fight for faith begins. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. That we would go to Him, humble ourselves <coughs> excuse me, beneath His mighty hand. Humble yourselves beneath His mighty hand. And He will exalt you. He will lift you up in due time, in His time. Cast all your cares upon Him. Psalms 55 verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous 
to be moved. So Heavenly Father, help us to help us to just take in your word this morning. Help us to learn more of you. Help us to get our thoughts and our mind focused and recentered. Help us to put our trust in you. So Heavenly Father, I just pray that by the truth of your word and by your Holy Spirit that you would meet the need of each heart and mind that's listening even now. Help us to see you. Help us to trust you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Now, the, the passage that I wanted for our main passage this morning is actually Psalms 121. Psalms 121. And let's read uh, verses 1 through 8. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord. The first three verses of that Psalms one twenty one together is that there's a shift that happens here. This, this is what we're going. One of the things we're going to look at this morning. I will lift my eyes to the hill. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now look, look at the transition. It's going to go from first person. Do you see? Did you ever notice that? He's saying, I will lift up my hands. My help comes from the Lord. Then verse 3, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. So, so what happened? He went from first person to second person. So who, who's the your and who's the you? Now here's what I believe. I believe he's talking to himself. And I know I've talked about this a lot through the years. And why would I say that the psalmist is talking to himself? Because he's done it before, has he not? So let's read a couple of those passages. Yes, he has. Psalms 42, verse 11. There you, the psalmist talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. You've heard me say it. Sometimes we need to preach to ourselves. And I believe that's what the psalmist does from time to time. And, and I know I, the, the sermons I've heard of John Piper's rings in my ears when, when, when I've heard him say, it's like the psalmist is saying, come on soul, come on, hope in God. Look to Him. Look to Him. Psalms 43, verse 5. Here He's preaching to Himself again. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me, hope in God? For I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. And it's as though David is looking into a mirror and preaching to Himself, why are you cast down? Come on, soul. God has not left me. Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him. Psalms 42, verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down before me. Therefore, what's He going to do? He's going to remind Himself of what the Lord has done in the past. Do we need to do that? Because here's the thing, regardless of the trouble of the trial that we may be facing, whatever it may be, we could all ask ourselves this question, has God ever 
failed me? And the answer would be no. Never. And He never will. And so we need to remind ourselves of that. Because as as we mature, as we get older, uh, I was talking with Jesse, we build up memories of storms we've gone through or, or whatever it may be, the, of the different trials of life. We build up those memories of, of those things that we've gone through and we can go back and look at those and say, He never failed me once. He never failed me once. That's what the psalmist is doing here. My, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mazar. I will remember, I will remember what you've done, Lord. That, that you are faithful, that you are good all the time, that you are true, even when my circumstances may seem bleak. Remember the Lord's loving kindness. Psalms 107, verses 25 through 30. For He commands and raises the stormy wind. (laughs) What can you say? God controls it all. We know about stormy winds, don't we? For He commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens and they go down again to the depths. There's those big waves that I talked about earlier when we were singing that song. My bark so small and frail, yet with God I will prevail, you see. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. My soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. (laughs) Ever been at your wit's end? Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And He brings them out of their distresses. Why would we wait so long before we cry out to the Lord? Why would we wait so long? He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So He guides them to their desired haven. We have a haven of rest in Christ, don't we? I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. So, should we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, let us remember who commands the storm. Let us remember who keeps us safe. Let us remember who our anchor is. It's the Lord. I read it earlier when we sang that song, but I want to put it here within the sermon. It was Hebrews 6. I think it's the exact same passage, verse 17 through 20. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. We, we, we sang the old hymn, My Anchor Holes. And so you can look that up and read the lyrics of that old hymn if you'd like. But here's Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability Immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Let me pause there for a minute. Can God lie? No. Can we lie? Yes. And lying is going to get you in trouble every time, is it not? Every time. The truth will find you out. Regardless if you're a young one here or you're an older one, the truth will find you out. But God cannot lie, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He is our rock. He is our shelter. He is our refuge. Who is, who is He to you? Is He all those things? Are you trusting Him? As His Word says, that He is those things. 
uh, y'all know one of one of my favorite Southern Gospel groups is Greater Vision. Uh, those guys have been there; they'll be celebrating their 30th anniversary this year, and they opened with this song. I don't know if I know the melody of it, and and I don't know if it was Chris or Rodney that wrote it. It's He is to me, my anchor. He is to me, my rock. He is to me, my Savior, in whom I place my trust. He is to me, my comfort. He is to me, my joy. He is to me, my master. He is to me, my Lord. Just reminders of who He is. Of who He is. He's my anchor. He's my rock. He's my Savior. I trust Him. He's my comfort, my joy. He's my master and Lord. In times of trouble, where do we look? Do we look to the hills? To the things of the world? Is the hills going to help us? Is the things of the world going to help us? Jeremiah 3, 23. We're going to pick it up right here. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills, the world, and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord, our God, is the salvation of Israel. Now I'm going to find... Well, I'll say this. You may find temporary help from the world. Someone that may come to your aid. But but even at that, I would say the Lord impressed on their heart to go do it. And I would still say it's the Lord. To the hills? No. But to the one who made the hills. And Lord, I will remember Your loving kindness. I will remember that You have promised in Your Word that You will never leave me nor forsake me. I will lift my eyes to You, Lord. I shall yet praise You. I read a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones about this. I kind of went back in my notes. This was, I think I told Barb this was two years ago. Uh, that we talked about Psalms 121. and Because uh, we, we know this. The casting crown song that, that talks about uh, the voice of truth. That, that there are voices, there are many voices crying out to us. Voices that are tempting us to worry. Voices that are tempting us to sin. Voices that may be telling us that we are nothing, we are nobody, that God doesn't love us. But the lyric says, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. In other words, God's Word tells me a different story. Because it tells me of who God is and it tells me who I am in Christ. And the voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And and out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. And that's what we all must do every day. That's why we need the Word of God, why we need to feed on God's Word, that we may be equipped and have the the Word of God as our nourishment. And and so this quote from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, just let me read. And this is uh, in, in regard to the psalmist, preaching to himself and talking to himself there in Psalms 42 and 43. Lloyd-Jones, quote, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Think about it. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself, all these other voices that's in there you see, Instead of talking to yourself, and what's he referring to? Be the psalmist. 
Talk to yourself. The Word of God. Let me keep going. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. They are calling you to worry and anxiety. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now the psalmist's treatment in Psalms 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He asked. My soul had been, his soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up, he speaks up, and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you, and I will speak to you the voice of truth. So sometime in the midst of this, the thoughts that are bombarding us, we need to yell at ourselves, perhaps, stop and listen and preach to ourselves the voice of truth. And so I believe in Psalms 121 that the psalmist is speaking to himself. He who keeps... Israel, he who keeps you. Here's what I want to do. I want us to go to that Psalms 121, 1 through 8 one more time. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, as we read through this, notice how many times he uses the word keeps. And it's the Hebrew word shamar. And it means to properly hedge about, to guard to protect, to attend to. And this exact word is used six times in Psalms 121. Now, some of the times it's going to be translated as keeps. And in the New King James Version, the other three times, three times as keep or keeper, the other three is preserve. But it's the same exact Hebrew word. I don't know why they... They translate it differently, but they, they did. So, so let's read through. Keep in mind how many times it's saying this. And what's it saying to the child of God? This is God. He's hedging about you. He's guarding over you. He's protecting you. He's attending to you. Every time you see that, keeps, keeper, preserve. I will lift up my eyes to the hill. From whence comes my help? He's not saying that my help is coming forward. He's asked the question, where's my help coming from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. See, for the child of God, we have been given eternal life. By grace, we have been saved through faith. And we have eternal life. And He will keep us forevermore. He will hold us. Nothing will be able to snatch us from His hands. We're sheltered safe within the arms of God. He who keeps you, who sets a hedge about you, who guards, protects, and attends to you, and, and the psalmist is repeating over and over and over again. Six times, He will keep you. In the doxology of the book of, of Jude, uh, 20, verses 24 and 25 in Jude. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. 
He is the one who keeps us. I could never keep my hold, but He will hold me fast. He will hold me. He will hold me. The Lord keeps me. He will keep me from all evil. He will keep my soul. He will keep my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now, does this mean that we'll never have a tough time or a trial? You know the answer to that. No, because how often do we talk about that subject of the trials and the temptations that we go through? You see, it can't mean that or it contradicts so much of the Bible. Because we know that times can get rough. People get sick. People die. Accidents happen. Tornadoes come. Businesses and jobs go through transitions. Our children can sometimes disappoint us. We can sometimes disappoint one another. I disappoint myself quite often. So when you read something like Psalms 121, it it seems so categorical in saying that He will keep you. So how do we reconcile it? He will keep He's keeping me and keeping me. Well, why am I going through this stuff? Well, we know because we've preached it many times, what James says. And and I look back at my old notes and and I brought it out this way. I asked the question, how would Joseph from the Old Testament, sing the Psalms 121. How would he sing it? When it says in Psalms 121, He will not let my foot be moved, here's Joseph thrown into the pit. He will keep me from all evil. And here's Joseph, despised by his family, stripped naked and sold as a slave. The Lord is my keeper. Yet Joseph is sold into the house of Potiphar, accused and thrown into the depths of a prison. So what's the answer? How would, how would Joseph sing Psalms 121? In spite of all he'd gone through. And Joseph himself provides the answer when he greets his brothers at the end of this story, doesn't he? He provides the answer of how to sing the song. Genesis 45, verse 8. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. What's he saying? Oh, you might have been the ones that physically threw me in in that pit, but it was God. God did that. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. You know the story. If you go to chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. See, God had a plan even in evil. Really? Even in the bad, even in the difficult times, and even in the disappointments, God meant it for good. So, can, can we put Romans 8.28 in there? Can, can, can we put that in? Let's do. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to to his purpose. Now, in in other words, isn't that what Joseph said? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good because of his holy purpose. So how can it be an evil deed and turning it for good for his purposes? Well, let me ask you this. What Satan in the world meant for evil in killing Jesus, God meant for good. (laughs) God meant for good. God used it for His glory and for our good in providing a way, a means of salvation, a way to bring many sons and daughters 
to the Heavenly Father. He will preserve you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. He will keep those He loves. And isn't that a great thought? Those He brings to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, these He keeps forever. <laughs> does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? <laughs> he does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. With Him. Forever and ever and ever. Because He loves us and He keeps us. He'll keep us. We have an inheritance. Incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away. I must read. Let's read that from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. I love these verses. You know I love them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, who has caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are being kept. He is my keeper. He is my keeper. Who are being kept by the power of God. Is there any power in heaven and earth greater than the power of God? No, no, no. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Let me pause there for a minute because one day this mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruption. You see, we will be changed. We will be like Him. Like Him. And so, verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice in knowing that He is our keeper. That He is keeping us. That we have such a great salvation. In this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, sickness, death, tornadoes, disobedient children, problems at work. Plug it, plug it in, plug whatever, plug it in. Though for a little, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? Why would we do? Why? Why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where does our help come from? From the Lord. Who is the one who keeps us? And preserves us forevermore, the Lord. And so regardless of circumstance, I, I don't know how many times I've probably said that from this pulpit, those words, regardless of circumstances, probably in the thousands. That regardless of circumstances, we know that He keeps His children. He guards over them. And He protects them. Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And, and the ESV, that last little Phrase there, I shall not be shaken. Gold City, that was a song. That, that's their song that they're playing on the radio right now. I shall not be shaken. I shall not be moved. 
and, and talking of this very thing that is children of God. Hold on to Him. Stand on the solid rock. Psalm 16, verse 8. We're going to read some, some verses here as, we, as we're closing out. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Let Him have preeminence. Always. Because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And even saying that, the, the lyrics there, they're just that, that little chorus of that song you sang down to that little country church. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Psalms 55 verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We have a solid rock, amen. We have a solid rock. Psalms 125 verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Psalms first chapter, it, it just the, those first three verses. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. <laughs> is there any thanksgiving going on if we're sitting in the seat of the scornful? If we're grumbling and complaining and all matter of things, and is that thanksgiving? We're, become, we're to come before His presence with thanksgiving. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, the Lord's law, He, that's mean you, meditates day and night. Do I? Do you? Do we meditate on it day and night? And if we do, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Without wavering. For he, for the Lord, who promised, is faithful. You know, let, let's not waver in unbelief. We've always preached several sermons on that too, haven't we? Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that sums it up, doesn't it? That sums it up right there. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Oh, believe that He's your keeper, child of God. Believe Him. Believe His Word. Believe Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for, for You're the great God. You're the keeper of Your children. The provider, the sustainer. In, in the midst of every circumstance of life, You are holding us and will not let us go. And so Father, help me to remember that at all times. Help us all to remember that at all times. And, and if, if, and we know, I should say when, and when a, a tragedy or a trial or something comes into our life unexpectedly, and, and it causes us to have that momentary step back. That anxiety is there. The emotion is there. Lord, I pray that You would help us to, to not linger there in that condition. Lord, but in time, that, that, that we may gather our thoughts and know that You are God. And that You can work every circumstance together for good when we trust You 
and look to You. So Father, in the midst of whatever we may face, I pray that we talked about it last Sunday, Lord, that as the world looks on and looks at us, that they will see some image of Christ and not see just someone who's consumed with bitterness, unthankfulness, fear, but rather they will see someone who is confidently standing upon Your Word. Lord, we know there there will be times of sorrow. We know that. And help us to have compassion and, and have those moments where we can weep with those who weep. But Lord, after the, after, the, after the weeping comes rejoicing. Or even in the midst of the weeping, there is rejoicing. So Lord, help us to see You continually at all times that we would set You before us. And Father, as always, if there should be someone who doesn't know Christ, who is yet lost, who is unsaved, who is under Your wrath, that, Lord, that You would open our eyes to truth, the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that You would draw them to Yourself, that You would open their eyes to see You. And in seeing You, Most Holy God, they would see the depths of their sin. And, Father, fear would come upon them. A sinner in the hands of an angry God because Your wrath is upon them. And Father, oh, then by Your mercy and grace, show them the rescue that is in Jesus Christ, the Savior. And Lord, grant them faith to believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away their sins. Grant them faith that they might believe. And in believing, they would confess their sins and turn from their sins and follow You. So Father, help us all that we might continually, at all times, as best we can, set You always before us. So help us, Father. We need You. We need You. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.